Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online, so you can access it from anywhere in the world. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whenever it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist with no additional cost. With BetterHelp, you, got, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% of your first month at betterhelp.com slash how to survive society. That's better com slash how to survive society. Hello, survivors. This is your girl, Abby Ayola Williams, and you're now listening to How to Survive Society. How to Survive Society is a weekly podcast that features survivors. These are people that have been through the ringers in life. They've been through hell and back, but they choose to stay positive. They choose to win. They choose to thrive and they choose to survive. So let's get right into it. Hello, survivors. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of How to Survive Society. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Rebecca Chandler, and she is um, an author, a global film TV producer. Um, she talks about therapy, EMDR, and and um, how she just survived her childhood and lived in a lot of places. So we're going to get into it. Rebecca, hi. Hey, Welcome. how are you? Thank you. Good, good, good. So um, let's dive right into it. So you said that you survived years of childhood abuse. So can you um, elaborate more on that? Like, what was the abuse? When did it start? Did it ever stop? You know, stuff like that. Yeah, thank you. So I was abused by my maternal grandfather from the age of five to the age of 13. And when I was five, um, he began sexually assaulting me basically with his hands. And um, that escalated when I was six and he actually raped me for the first time. And then that abuse, being pinched, grabbed, molested, raped, continued until one night when I was 13 years old and I fought back. And I, um, he tried to rape me again and I fought back and I threatened him. And that was the end of my abuse. So it was eight years of, you know, just kind of relentless torture until it ended. Oh my goodness. So did you, did you tell your parents about this while it was happening? I didn't tell anyone. Um, at the time, my parents were going through a really miserable divorce. And um, there was really no one for me to share that with. I didn't share my 
abuse until I was 20 years old. And I put myself into therapy for the first time. Hmm. So what made you go into therapy? Were you trying to um, forget what happened, um, trying to move on? Because I know sometimes when someone has been through so much, they don't even know where to start. So what made you say, you know what, I'm going to go get therapy? Well, yeah. So as a result of my abuse, I developed dissociative identity disorder, which is a, which is also known as multiple personality disorder. And I developed four personalities that I called five, six, seven, and 13. And the names reflect the ages of those personalities. And as I got older and I started to recognize them in, in high school is when I really started to notice that there were voices in my head and that I was I would become one of them. And I put the two together when I was in high school. So when I got to be 20 years old, I was really miserable, working full-time, going to school full-time, dangerously depressed, had these voices in my head, didn't was not in control of myself because I, you know, when you have multiple personalities, they just kind of take over whenever they feel like they need to or want to. And 13, she was my anger. She represented the fact that I, you know, fought my grandpa off. She was the worst one because she would take over. And I was just inappropriately angry to the point where I was going to lose my job because I was, you know, talking out of turn and 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 doing all kinds of things. So when I was 20, I was lying in bed one day. I was miserable. And I said to myself, I am not supposed to be this miserable for the rest of my life. And if I don't do something about it, I'm going to end up uh, ending my life. And so I sought help and I went to therapy for the first time. That's amazing that you sought for help. So you talked about family celestial work. What does that mean? Because I've never heard that before. It's really powerful and it's uh I I didn't know about it until I was living in Kenya and my somatic uh guide told me about it. Family celestial work is when you sit in a room and you bring actors in essentially and you assign them roles. So you're going to be my mother, you're going to be my father, you're going to be my grandmother, my grandfather, the whoever you need to have a dialogue with as part of your therapy journey, you put them in a room and they sit with you and you tell, you tell these people a little bit about who they need to be. You know, you give them a bit of a script. So I would say something like my mother, she has to have control. She's a trauma survivor who can't talk about it. She's angry a lot. She's unstable. And they'll take that and go, okay, I know what to do now. And then you start to have conversations with this group of people so some of this stuff that maybe you were never able to say to your mom or your dad or your abuser or whoever, you can say in this environment and you can kind of release some of that stuff that you're holding on to uh, with that person. It's really powerful work, mm. but I th- it's the kind of work I think you build up to. I would never tell someone who was new to therapy to just go into that first because it's You know, the first time I heard someone act out my grandfather and talk back to me was was almost overwhelming. Um, But it was good because I got to say a lot of things that I always wanted to say. 
Mm, that's um, that's great that you were able to do that for yourself. So you've lived in LA, DC, New York, Egypt, Kenya, Dubai, and Singapore. So was this for work or you were just traveling to find yourself and find peace and happiness? I love your questions. <laughs> I, I'll <laughs> say in hindsight, I would say that I was attempting to get away from the geographic center of my trauma, which is Southern California. It's where I was abused. And my sense of flight was fully engaged. Add to that fact that I'm a Pisces and the world is not big enough for me. My, you know, my, my fish tank cannot be big enough, basically. So I definitely went from LA to DC to get away. Absolutely. After I went through therapy, after I revealed my abuse to my, my, my family, I wanted to get away from everybody. New York is New York. Who doesn't want to go and live and thrive in New York? And then I just thought, well, now that I've conquered America and it's, I, I didn't, but that's in my head. It's like, oh, okay. I've done America. Let's get going. And so I started to look internationally. And so uh, work took me all around the world. Um, but, but also know that at the time I couldn't get far enough away from home. Wow. That's amazing. So you worked in LA, New York. So what about Egypt? Um, um, how was your time there? Because I've never been to Egypt or Kenya or Dubai or Singapore. So how was your experience? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I was in Egypt pre-Arab spring and things have changed a bit and I'm aware of that now, but I have to say it was the first time I'd ever been overseas. It's the first time I ever worked internationally and I loved every minute of Egypt. It's, I have to say that the Middle East is the friendliest region of the world by far, by far. Um, people genuinely embrace you. They genuinely uh, want to get to know you. Everyone wants to have you over for dinner and it's a genuine invite. And this is true throughout the region, not just Egypt. Mm-hmm. So for in Egypt, I first went on a US aid assignment to produce some uh, content, some health related content for the CDC. And then I ended up going back to Egypt and working with a production company there to produce different kinds of content. And um, and then from Egypt, I came back to America for a little while, and then I went over to Kenya. And uh, Africa is a sub-Saharan Africa, uh, actually all of Africa, is, I don't know, there's something about going back to Africa. It's like, you know, our, all of our stories started in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. We all came from yeah. Africa. Yes. So for me, going back and actually walking barefoot on the earth in Kenya, Mm -hmm. uh, my body was immediately at home. Mm, I just, it's like every mineral in the earth in Kenya and, you know, Kenya has the cradle of man and all of that. It's, it's literally where we all started, but it's like every mineral in my body was being nourished by Kenya. (laughs) And uh, I was there for, I was there for a long time and I was lucky if, if you get time and if you get to go to Africa, just consider it a gift because it's uh, the most incredible, complicated, wonderful places you could ever hope to go to. Yes, I, I can relate. I'm from Nigeria. I grew up yes. there uh, until the age of nine. Then I left to come to Canada. So 
I understand what you're saying, but I do have to go to Kenya for sure. <laughs> you <laughs> do because parts. Nigeria, Nigeria. I mean, I've been to uh, Niger long, uh, lots of times, <laughs> um, and I've filmed all over Nigeria and Central West Africa. I've been to about thirty countries in Africa, and they're completely different. Wow. So, where you have a unifying language in India, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't have that in Africa, and I think people. Yeah. People talk about, well, I'm going to Africa. And it's like, you know, Africa is so many countries, so many languages, so many tribes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Nigeria, I don't, I think it's a couple Alone. hundred tribes in Nigeria. Yes. And there's like yes. 47 in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And even though they might share some language together, like let's say Swahili and Kenya, mm-hmm. just know that those tribes also have enormous differences. Mm-hmm. And I true. just think people should go and and learn and understand that you know Nigeria is not Kenya is not Senegal is not Cote d'Ivoire they're very very different places yeah and it's amazing yeah I I loved it still love it that's good so where are you located now are you in the United States or yeah so I went to Dubai and then I went to Singapore and then COVID came and I had to move back to the United States, which is something I never wanted to do (laughs) ever, ever. Um, But I came back and it's been, it's been definitely difficult to learn how to be a full-time American again. Um, I still say tomatoes and water. And I, I still speak like I've lived in former English colonies. So, (laughs) so I'm still a weirdo. Um, and I, mm-hmm. now I'm in Southern California again. And I think the best, the best news is that when I came back to America and it was really complicated to come back mm-hmm. and not to be able to find work and isolated because of COVID and all the things, right. It was a really mm-hmm. difficult transition, but in the end I came back and I, I, I went through like the last stage of really intense healing um, mm-hmm. so much so that I no longer have multiple personality disorder. A lot of my layers that needed to be healed, I went through that and I ended up writing a couple of books. So it's been great to be back in hindsight, um, but certainly getting through it was really complicated. America is a complicated place. Definitely. <laughs> so let's talk about your books. How many books have you written? Can you talk more about it and where we can get it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I wrote my memoir called It Won't Hurt None. Um, and I'm not going to tell you why that's the title because you have to read it, but otherwise I'll, I'll give the whole book away. Um, and uh, it starts with me having a partial hysterectomy and the mental and physical disaster that follows that surgery. Um, and then the second book I wrote with my very good friend, Aparna Ramakrishnan, and it's called Hurt No More. And it's a journal and it's uh, for people who have trauma and who want to start thinking about their healing. Uh, it's a t- kind of a 10 step process to get started with some really helpful resources and guides in the back. Um and I'm really proud of that book because I think that it's simple. It keeps things simple. Uh, we're not doctors. We're not telling you 
we're not diagnosing you. We're not telling you how you're going to get better, but I'm just, we're putting in some insights and I'm giving you some of my experiences through the healing process. And you can find these books at RebeccaEChandler.com. Uh, and you'll find links to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all kinds of places where you can get the books. And the Audible for uh, It Won't Hurt None is about to launch, I would say, in two weeks. So I'm excited about that. That is amazing that you're, you're able to turn your pain into um, something that actually helps you. And now you're helping other people to get over that pain. So that's really amazing. So let's talk about like you, um, your film, um, TV producer. So um, when did you get started and what have you produced? How can people see your work and, and stuff like that? Wow. These are good questions. I love this. Uh, <laughs> so I, I took a typing class in sixth grade and I took a Macintosh computer class in high school. Mind you, computers were new when I was in high school in 53. And as a result of all of that, I when I wanted to move out of my mother's house, I was 19 years old and I'd had enough and I wanted to get away and I wanted to have my own life. I looked through the classified ads in the newspaper and I got a job in advertising. And I didn't even know anything about advertising. I had no idea that it was a job. I just knew I had to get out of the house and I could type. And they they all the, the whole office was full of Macintosh computers. And I got a job as a secretary in the commercial production department. So just worked really hard, hustled and built my way up inside that system and finally got promoted a couple of times. And then my career really took off when I moved to DC, I was 23 and I was made the VP of the production department in a very small satellite office of a big ad agency. And so I started producing commercial campaigns and doing all the things. Um, And then when I went to Egypt, I started producing different kinds of content, not just commercials, music videos, feature films, televisions. And that just all followed me from Egypt into East Africa uh, and Dubai and Singapore. And uh, I can tell you this, film and TV is a glorious, wonderful career. It will grind you down. It's, you know, um, if you work 60, 80 hours a week and when you're on set, you're working 20 hours a day. So If that doesn't speak to you, don't get into it. (laughs) It's not a nine to five job. Um, And I think my most recent work, uh, and mind you with COVID and everything, I I haven't been really in the industry for a while, although now I'm about to get back into it uh, and I'll be back in Africa soon, um, is uh, a show called Coke Studio. There's a Coke Studio Africa, Coke Studio Pakistan, Coke Studio Morocco, Coke Studio Philippines. And I was part of the global team uh, consulting for Coca-Cola to produce those shows. And they're wonderful. It's it's all about music. So um, if you want to check out Coke Studio on YouTube, they're all there. And I was I was really lucky to be a part of that project because we like the Africa show. We brought artists, big name artists from Nigeria to perform with artists from Mozambique, for example. And it's this wonderful creative fusion that happens when you bring artists who don't know each other and they come together to write songs. And it was a really it is a really fantastic show. 
Wow, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you gotta they check do... it out. You you'll yeah. be impressed with the artist that that show has, the Africa show. It's wow. Yeah, you'll you'll see some of your favorites, I'm sure. Yes, maybe in the future we'll be able to work together because I'm also a producer. I produced um I was one of the producers on a reality show. It's called Ninja Wives of Toronto, and then we try to go to Hollywood and you know <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe I love Nollywood. I yeah. love Nollywood. I used to sit and watch Nollywood films in Kenya and I'd never seen it before. Cause obviously it was it, time. It wasn't being shown in America. And I was like, I got to meet these people. I got to go to Nigeria and I got to find out what this place is about. And it's wonderful. Yes, definitely. So before we go, is there any last thing you would like to tell a survivor or somebody that's trying to survive a traumatic past, you know, what tips do you have for that person to be able to, you know, get past what happened to them? Yeah, I would just encourage anyone who, who has trauma um, to try and find a way to tell someone that they trust a doctor, someone, uh, a member of, you know, church, if that, if that's your environment, Try to find an advocate. And just, I think the overall lesson in life that I've learned is that you don't want to carry that trauma for the rest of your life. The burden of that trauma is affecting you physically and mentally. And it just kind of amplifies and gets heavier and harder to carry as you get older. And I don't totally understand why. So if you're 20 and you know you have trauma, get help now. If you're 50, and you know that you have trauma, get help now because it's, you can get through it. It's never, you know, getting this, getting therapy for your trauma and having to talk about it. It's never going to be as bad as the actual event. Not, I just believe that. And if you survive the actual event, you can survive therapy. And if it, and the, the release that you'll feel, if you get help, if you seek help, um, you'll you'll be amazed at how much better you can feel every day, and I just think it's worth the work. It's worth it's worth the journey. And so, I just encourage people to realize that you can live whole and happy and feel safe. And you need to start. Just start. Thank you for those tips. And yes, you're right about that. Just. Get help, no matter how old you are, get help. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for coming on. And thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate that. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. <laughs> I'll see you in Nollywood. Big, big thank you to our guest for, um, for today. And if you would like to learn more about today's topic, please go on howtosurvivesociety.com. There you can get um, some life skills courses and some merchandise and um, contact me if you would like to be a guest on the show. So thank you so much for tuning in and have yourself a lovely day. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. 
Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something great together. So if you ever need help to start your own podcast, reach out to me. And then you know what you can do also? You know, you can follow the link in the show notes, in the show notes that lets Buzzsprout know that Hi sent you so you can get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan. And you can also support the show that way. So yeah, so if you're looking to start your own podcast, reach out to me, follow the link under the notes show and you'll be able to sign up and get a $20 Amazon card. Yeah.